The following podcast may contain adult language and an abundance of salt. So get ready, nerds, because we're talking Masters of the Universe Revelations. Welcome and thank you for joining us on this edition of the Coronavirus Salty Nerd Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing things a little bit differently this week, but we will do our best to provide you with the high quality entertainment that you always expect. Uh, today, I am joined by my fantastic panel of nerds, starting with the barbarian space viking, Matt Vader 74. Welcome, sir. Oh, sorry. Come on, man. <laughs> I was I, like, is he frozen? I was, yeah, I thought I, that too. I was looking at porn. We're at home, right? <laughs> so, Put some he doesn't have on. Vader. God damn it. Doesn't have any pants on. Confirmed. No pants. No pants. You're doing with that. That Wasn't that U.S. Senator or something like that jacking off on a Zoom meeting? Hey, whoa. No, that's not good. That's that not was good a that CNN part. doctor, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was it Fauci? No. Oh, boy. I'm also joined by the ambassador of estrogen, Ju Juju. Welcome. How are you doing? I come to you live from a house of ill repute. <laughs> <laughs> there has been a contamination in the studio. <laughs> Got a big old red letter <laughs> nailed to their front door. <laughs> Condemned. Condemned, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And last but not least, the producer of the show and the hardest working nerd I know, Matthew Kadish. Welcome, sir. So uh, for those of you wondering why we've switched up our format, because we usually do everyone in studio live, mm -hmm. uh, one of the Kadish household tested positive for coronavirus, and uh, we are quarantining, and it just so happened that, uh, you know, our recording day is in the middle of our quarantine, yeah. but um, Jude and I are both fine, we're, we're both vaccinated, and so we're just kind of like wait and see. We didn't want to risk infecting uh, anyone else. So we asked the guys to call in remotely uh, today. And uh, so we're going to be doing this week's shows a little bit differently, but hopefully uh, it's not too big of a difference. Like we'll still have the fun, witty banter, you know, for the mm -hmm. Salty Nerd podcast. I think we'll be just fine. All right, guys. At so some, for you, sorry, uh, I was just going to say you. at some point today, uh, you may see the little, uh, the little guy Come down <laughs> if you need something. From his fortress of solitude. <clears throat> yeah. It's like, Mom, I need more pirate hooch. <laughs> <laughs> What's some like, pop pockets? Mom, I need more internet. <laughs> yeah. Why is there no right. Picardi in my Capri Sun? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Before we dive into this uh, TV show, on uh, the newest TV show on Netflix, uh, the He-Man Masters of the Universe, we're going to get into deep spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, make sure you go watch the show first and then come back and you check out our review. Before we do, though, we're going to hear a quick word from some sponsors. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. All right, guys, if you would like to support this podcast and you love what we do, you're subscribed, you like all of our videos, go to saltynerdclub.com. There you can find our Patreon page, and you can get access to all kinds of really cool, exclusive behind-the-scenes photos and uh, exclusive podcasts, blooper reels, and you get exclusive access to our Discord server for patrons only, where you get to chat with all the other club members talk movies and nerd stuff uh, and you can also get some exclusive access to watch parties and uh, you get to see me edit some of our videos i do an editing bay feature on that one too so saltynerdclub.com help support the podcast become a patreon all right guys let's dive into masters of the universe revelation uh mr kadish take it away sir all right so masters of the universe revelation uh the synopsis is a radical return to eternia revelation is a direct sequel series the classic era of Masters of the Universe. Featuring fan favorites He-Man, Orko, Cringer, and Man-at-Arms, the story pits our heroic warriors 
and guardians of Castle Grayskull against Skeletor, Evil Lynn, Beast Man, and the vile legions of Snake Mountain. But after a ferocious final battle, which forever fractures Eternia, it's up to Tila to solve the mystery of the missing sword of power in a race against time to prevent the end of the universe. Her journey will uncover the secrets of Grayskull at last. This is the epic He-Man and Masters of the Universe saga that fans have waited 35 years to see, supposedly. I was just going to say, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> so right. uh, we're going to get started here. I've, I've got an episode-by-episode synopsis, so we'll, we'll go through each episode. But I just wanted to get everyone's overall impressions of the series. So, Alex, why don't we um, find out what you thought of it? Okay, so real quick. Um, Full disclosure, I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about this TV show. It's before my time uh, as far as the cartoon goes, the original cartoon. I never watched it. I think my the extent of my knowledge about He-Man extends to about a meme of Skeletor going, ah. Like, that's all I know about this series. It's the best meme ever. It's the best meme ever. So, <laughs> like, going into this, I had zero knowledge. And I was it was a blank slate for me. So I just wanted to see what they had to offer. And um, uh, the things that I liked animation was great fight scenes were very interesting uh some of the characters were were fascinating very strange a lot stranger than i expected it to be like i thought this was more of like a swords and shield uh ancient times type cartoon but it turns out there's like techno stuff and like robots and all kinds of crazy like i wasn't expecting that so that was a pleasant surprise it was pretty cool um but in the story the whole quest thing uh trying to find the st- the the two shards of the uh sword of power very interesting stuff i like that um but there was a glaring problem with it, and the character that I was expecting to see was like non-existent for ninety percent of this uh, five-episode series. So I was disappointed with that, and I was also I had some I had a hard time looking past some of the more blatant agenda-driven uh, nods that were there. It, it kind of just made me cringe for a lot of it. But those are my general thoughts. Uh, who do you want to go next, Vader? Do you want to go next? You're a longtime fan, right? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> um this this stuff he-man was a little not he, i i didn't watch a lot of i watched it but i never cared about it you, you know what i mean um yeah what I don't, I don't really remember how old i was i don't even i didn't even look up when this stuff was out i want to think it was in the late 80s or was, am i uh, wrong the cartoon was 83 mm-hmm. and the movie so, i think was 87 okay so i was like in my mid-teens when that came out and i wasn't watching a lot of uh after school cartoons you know what i mean um which is what this was but i did catch it i I knew about it i didn't buy the the weird the weirdly over muscled uh uh action figures and stuff and i I always thought there was something strange and a little bit off about the whole he-man world so it wasn't really my thing um that being said um i don't know what i can add to what you said I mean, it was was well animated, but it's just uh, it's not there. This is, it's it's not good, and I completely understand why people are upset about this thing with with the whole Tila and friends and their little side adventure story that we got for the first half of this uh, series. Um, That's a question I had. Uh, they, they they should have dumped the whole thing at once. You know, I'm not a big binge fan, but in a case like this. It, they needed to release all 10 episodes so we can have more context to the front end of which is what we got. So, cause as it is right now, it's, it's crap. It's, it's, um, 
it's it's super muscly Tila with her SJW shaved haircut and her girlfriend out doing Tila things. And just not good. I'm not into it. So they dropped the ball pretty hard. Okay. Jude, uh, I know you're not huge into animation uh, cartoons and stuff, but what are your general thoughts on this show? So um, I feel like I, I don't know what this is for. Like, <clears throat> I feel like this was just like a smoke and weed all night fever dream that Kevin Smith came up with. And he was like, oh, yeah, 40-year-old nerds are going to love this shit. Mm-hmm. But and, and you know I'm not a fan of, of um, adult anim- animation. <clears throat> so uh, that being said, I feel like this is something if they were going to reboot, they should have rebooted it for children. It should have been a children's cartoon again. And that would have been something exciting for the parents to be like, oh, my gosh, I used to watch this when I was your age. And like that kind of a thing. But they didn't do that. They put this out on, uh, what was it, on Netflix? Mm-hmm. On Netflix, yeah. they gave us six episodes for the adult nerds to, like, go bananas over. And it also wasn't good for, like, me. Um, it wasn't adult. Uh, it was just a cartoon that I was supposed to get super excited about. And, like, exactly like you said, we got all done with it. And I was like, so um, where's He-Man? <laughs> yep. Like he it it's I should have known when it wasn't called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe that it wasn't going to feature He-Man, but that's that's what we all show up for. We don't show up for Tila. Um I think that um Sarah Michelle Gellar did a great job voicing her and once I found out that like the character behind my favorite character of all time was behind that character, I was more invested in it. But like another couple of episodes went by and I was just like, yeah, I don't care and I don't want it. Hmm. See, uh, that's right. interesting. That's interesting that you, you you liked her voice work because I did not. I didn't think. I thought most of the voice work in this thing felt off to me. Like the voices didn't match a lot of the characters that they were supposed to be uh, voicing. Oh, you don't like you, uh, no. uh, Sir Sir Davos as Master of War? Or something? No, not really. Man, uh, man at Arms. Man, man, man at arms. arms. He was he was okay, but you know, like I didn't like He Man. I didn't like um, Tila. I especially didn't like Evil Lynn being oh, was played by Seriously. Lena Hedy. Just, Lena Hedy? But, but, but all, I saw, all I saw was Lena Hedy. I didn't see Evil Lynn. Yeah. Once I realized that was Lena Hedy, you know, that's all I, could I see you, too. Yeah. It just, it just you, you know, I heard the Joker coming out of Skeletor's mouth. Ah, but my repeated failures were but a bridge to my success. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. You, you know, um, you know, I know Mark Hamill does a lot of voiceover work, but he was just doing Joker. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, it just it just seemed off as far as that kind of stuff goes. Now, the animation style and everything is it was very Japanese, which is cool. I, I'm OK. It was like a hybrid style kind of mix of the old cartoon mixed with modern kind of anime, whatever they call it, style. And it, it yeah. was fine. I, I got into it, but I just. It was just, it just seemed off. You know, if they're going to, if they're going to update something, update it. Like they did with the, uh, the one that came out 10 years ago or whatever it was. Well, I don't remember how long ago it was, but at least it was like hyper stylized and kind of cool and adult, you know, but, uh, that's that. So. All right. So Kadish, you, um, I was very surprised to see your thread on Twitter about this show. Um, you definitely sub- subverted my expectations. Uh, so. Why don't you tell us your general thoughts the, on this? And- I, I got one more thing to say before Kadish goes. 
Go ahead, bud. I just I, and it's about the same thing. Um, I was like writing this this uh, wave of just pure anger towards this thing, and then I got to thinking to myself after reading Kadish's long ass mm-hmm. book <laughs> that that you know it was, it was too long to read, but I read it anyway. <laughs> um, it, it kind of calmed me down a little bit. It kind of brought me back down to earth and it, it made me think about reasons why I didn't like this thing other than, you know, Tila's haircut, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, it was a good threat, but, uh, anyway, carry on, Matt. I'm sorry. So, I did. Yeah. Take it away. Ken. <laughs> all right. So out of all the people here, um, I'm just going to give a quick background on my He-Man experience because I was the demographic for the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I went and saw Masters of the Universe, the movie, uh, for my ninth birthday. That was my my big party. Was <laughs> I got to go see Masters of the Universe in the theater um, when I turned nine, and so like I had grown up like a He Man fan. I um, it started off when um, my dad was stationed in Germany, and I can I have this very vivid memory, and this is like pre kindergarten me, and I don't remember anything from that time period except like some weird He Man memories. <laughs> Where when we first got to Germany, like we were <clears throat> basically stationed in a hotel and it was like a couple of days before Christmas and we didn't have, you know, like Santa wasn't coming because we didn't have like a whole lot of like um, time to buy, especially American toys. And uh, my dad was able to pick up um, the Hawkman. Uh, I forget his name, but uh, he, he's like this guy with like, he looks like a hawk. He's got wings on his arms. Uh, he-man figure for me at like the base you know uh, commissary or something like that and that was like my toy for christmas that year and um from that point on like i'd watch he-man because we'd have people in the states send you know videotapes of american cartoons to us so that you know i'd understand what was being said and it was all he-man and i'd get a bunch of toys uh, while we were in germany and they all came with like comic books and so i'd read the comic books and when we got back to the States, you know, I'd be able to watch He-Man. I had a huge collection of He-Man toys. And so, like, I grew up on He-Man. Like, He-Man was my jam. Like, I had, like, the, I don't even know what you call that thing, like, the little chest armor uh, <laughs> costume and, like, the, the power swords. And I'd run around hitting my brothers with the swords and stuff. So, like, I was a He-Man kid. And I'm the 40-year-old nerd that Jude referenced in uh, talking about this thing that you know, uh, that the show was made for basically. And like all you guys, I was, you know, kind of ready to hate this show when I started watching it because, you know, for months we'd heard these rumors about how like it wasn't He-Man show, the like Tila had been put forward like kind of front and center. And, um, so I was expecting the, the worst when I sat down to watch this. And as I was watching it, I just got all these nostalgia uh, throwbacks um, that just made me very happy while I was watching this. Now, don't get me wrong. There are problems with this show. But as a, as a kid who grew up on He-Man, who had all the toys and who, you know, cosplayed as He-Man growing up and stuff like that, this show hit all the right notes for me. Like every time a character would show up, be like, I had that toy. Yeah. It was like every four seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they really kind of captured the essence of the characters from the original cartoon as well. At least, you know, not, not Tila, but like all the supporting characters and all the bad guys and stuff like that. 
And in addition to that, I really love the animation style. I thought that the voice acting, I totally disagree with Vader. I think that they cast this stuff perfectly. Um, all the voices fit the characters, in my opinion. Like you had um, J Jason Muse as Stinkor. <laughs> you know? And uh, when, when, he showed up, when he showed up, I told Jude, I was like, that toy actually did stink. Like, like they made it so like the toy stunk uh, really bad. Uh, Moss Man also stunk, uh, funny enough. But um, you also had, um, like, I thought Leon, Leon Cunningham as the man-at-arms was the perfect casting for that. I thought that uh, Lena Headey and um, Griffin Newman, the guy who played Arthur in The Tick, mm. he was great as Orko. He did that without any voice modulation, which in the original series, like, you know, you had one guy doing, like, 12 different voices, and so, <laughs> like, they just added uh, modulators to his voice for when he did that character. Um and it's kind of funny because as we were watching the show, like I kept thinking like, where do I know that voice from? Like you had Kevin Conroy as Merman, um, uh, Alicia Silverstone as Queen Marlena, mm -hmm. Justin Long as Roboto, just like uh, a real stellar, like celebrity voice cast. And when I was watching this, I, I agree with you guys, they should have released all 10 episodes because I kind of saw what they were going for. Like, I do agree that He-Man was kind of, absent from the first five episodes, even though he's in every episode in some form or another, uh, the specter of He-Man, because in the first episode, he makes this big sacrifice where he basically, quote unquote, dies. And he's absent for the next five episodes in terms of like being an active character in the story. But his presence is always felt there, especially in terms of Tila, because, you know, growing up, Tila was the uh, kind of He-Man's girlfriend and but she never knew uh, his true identity, and so it was like this weird thing where Prince Adam was in love with Tila, Tila was in love with He Man, um, but they could never truly be together because they weren't actually in love with the actual person. It's so Superman and Lois Lane. <laughs> it, it kind of is, yeah. It's the same trope. Um, so like I saw what they were doing with this, where it was Tila's hero's journey, and this kind of goes back to the first season of of He Man, where basically I think it's in episode six. It's called he Tila's Quest. And it was written by Paul Dini, the guy behind the Batman animated series, which is kind of funny because the original He-Man like cartoon had Paul Dini and J. Michael Straczynski, um, two amazing writers involved in it, which, you know, looking back, the, the writing is so just kind of simple that you don't think, oh, these are, there are great writers behind the show, but there really are. And uh, the whole like fantasy melded with science fiction thing, like I, I just, I always love that. But Tila's quest the sixth episode it kind of went into it was the first time that we got to see tila's background where she was adopted by man at arms and it was revealed in that episode that she is the daughter of the sorcerers of grayskull and um when she finds this out um the sorceress erases it from her mind and so going forward she never knew who her true parents were um but her destiny has always been to eventually become the protector of grayskull um, basically the, the sorceress's position. And so when I saw what they were doing where she was like, you know, um, kind of rejecting magic and kind of going off on her own, rejecting her uh, kind of surrogate family and stuff like that, I was like, okay. So they're kind of following the traditional hero's journey with her. Um, I was still kind of unhappy that He-Man wasn't front and center, but I understood why they wanted to pull back from him because they really took these first five episodes to set up the um, supporting cast of He-Man in ways that we never got before. Like we got backstory on Orko. We got some 
sympathy for evil Lynn. Like there was a lot of stuff there where if Skeletor and He-Man were in the story, they would have kind of sucked out all the oxygen from that. The focus kind of would have been on them. So I can understand why they did it. That doesn't necessarily mean I agree with them doing it. Yeah. If I can jump in real quick, that sounds very familiar to when J.J. Abrams yeah. was like, I don't want to put Luke Skywalker in my movie because he'll suck the energy away from all the other characters. It's like, bro, there's a reason why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think there's a way you can do both. You can both build up the supporting cast while not not erasing the main character completely. So um, in, in that situation, though, J.J. Abrams was sacrificing established characters for new characters. In this situation it's all established characters. It's just characters that we've never gotten uh, a lot of insight into. So, um, you, you know, in not seeing the back five of, of this season, uh, apparently, according to Kevin Smith, whether or not you want to believe him, the final five episodes are all very He-Man centric. It's all about He-Man. So I can see how, like, if the overarching hero's journey in this 10 episode series is Tila's quest, where she eventually becomes the sorceress of Grey Skull, and she has to team up with He Man to grant him the power to defeat the skeleton. They call him Skele God in, in, um, <laughs> in, in the uh, show after, after he gets yeah the, the power of Grey Skull. Um, so like you know, I can see them. I can see why they're setting it up this way, where the first five episodes were very Tila centric, and um, but again, like whether or not you like that or. Um, like the choices that Kevin Smith made in this, there is thought that's being put into this story. And if you look at the episodes individually within like an overarching plot structure, they hit all the right marks for the hero's journey um, kind of um, mythos. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of guess where they're going with it. And I think that in the back five episodes, if we were to see those, um, a lot of people's criticisms of the show would probably get addressed. Okay. So as far as the writing goes, I, I actually do agree with you. I think the story itself um, works on paper. Uh, I, I like the quest. I like the idea that, you know, if you want to go with the hero's journey with Tila and build her up, she's going to become the sorceress um, of Grayskull. I get it. On paper, that sounds fine. What, my biggest issue was and what detracted from the show for me was the subtext of all the modern Hollywood uh, isms that happened in these new TV shows where like every chance they got, they kind of took a shot at He-Man. Like they would make fun of him for saying his one-liners, but then they would mm -hmm. turn around and do their own types of one-liners. There was uh, like Tila. I can understand to a certain extent that Tila would be upset that somebody got li lied to her. Uh, but the the whole scene where she goes off on the king and queen who just lost their son and she's like i don't care what you guys think i have to deal with this and she runs off and like she just comes off as kind of like a spoiled brat and it makes her as somebody who doesn't know who she is and didn't grow up with her it makes her very unlikable and that's a bad start to a five episode thing where i'm like i don't like this chick she's already annoying me and now i got to watch her for the next five episodes just be mean to everybody because she got uh somebody lied to her once and then it, <laughs> there's multiple scenes where, um, like, Everlyn, when she was talking about Skull, he's like, I could never reach my true potential because the man was keeping me down. And I was just I was just focused on his goals and not my own. I was, I was just kind of, it's just very cringy. It's it very, very, cringy. very blunt. And there's no subtlety to it. Like, 
those messages are fine if you want to put them in there, but have some kind of, you know, nuance to it or something like that. It's just, it was very just beating me over the head with it the whole time. And it, it took me out of the parts of the show that I did like. I liked that they went down to hell and was like going on this quest and they had to face their fears. I liked mm-hmm. that stuff. It was really cool. But I kept getting beat over the head with this messaging and it took me out of the show. And for somebody who is not familiar with these characters, it made it difficult for me to kind of get on board and, and enjoy what I was watching. And on, and on top of the messaging, it was just they enforced it with the character design. With mm. with 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 the haircut and with with and with the extra muscular look to her, I, they they <laughs> they they made her look like a dude. They made I, all the women in this thing look like dudes to me, it, for the for the most part with the extra muscles and so, if like if if you go online, you can see places where people just like literally chop the tops of one of their heads off a Tila, and put a put a shaved her head, and she looks like a guy. Mm. They, there's nothing feminine about these characters in in this show anymore. I, and I tend, it, it's 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 annoying because you know if you go back to the old cartoon they're girls there's guys and there's girls and and the way they're doing it now it's like they're trying to i i don't, I don't know how to explain the messaging behind it but it's just it's weird it's weird to me you know i, I don't know what else to say well so. i i do i kind of agree with you but i did i did want to bring up a just play devil's advocate if you look proportionately if you look at the male characters, they are freaking huge. Yeah. Bohemoths. That, that's and because then, this was a show for little boys. In proportion. This was, this was a show for boys. Yes. Designed you, to sell boys action <laughs> figures and toys. This yes. wasn't a show for little girls. Oh, I agree. And, 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 and it, that, that doesn't mean, and it doesn't have to be a show for little girls in 2021. You, you, you know, it's, it's still a show for boys. It's a show now for 40-something-year-old boys like Matt. Who wanted to revisit their childhood? <laughs> oh, no, I, that's I, what I, this shows is for. I get that, but that's not really that wasn't what my point was going to be. It's just like if you look proportionately between the male and female characters, if you put He Man, actual He Man, right next mm-hmm. to, to Tila, she looks very small stature, very feminine compared to the freaking Hulk master freaking dude. He's giant compared to her. So I'm just saying, like, proportionately in in uh, mm-hmm. comparison to each other male versus female characters in this show now if you were to take the female characters out of the show and put it next to like a different type of show that has female characters yes they do look very very masculine but i was just playing devil's advocate it was just something i thought of i'm like it, it kind of fits in the context of the tv show but i do 100 percent understand where vader's coming from on that uh so um Matt, you had some arguments against the messaging in this show. Uh, we'll go ahead and, and take your stance. Yeah, I wanted to address that because I feel like that's something that's kind of getting a little bit overblown um, in a lot of the criticism. So, uh, for instance, Evil Lynn, like when she makes that statement where she was always in Skeletor's shadow and she was never able to reach her full potential because of Skeletor, uh, that's accurate, you know, like in, in the original series, like Skeletor was always keeping his minions kind of like subservient to him. And evil Lynn, you know, was kind of like involved in that. And I actually thought when she made that speech, when she was kind of becoming or vulnerable in front of Orko talking about that, uh, I found it very interesting because I was like, you know, she's not wrong. Like Skeletor, uh, part of him being, you know, the master of evil <laughs> is that, he uh, continuously 
prevents those around him from ever kind of like breaking out of the mold that he wants them to be in. And so she's always just been his, his, you know, sidekick, his henchman, his apprentice, whatever you want to call it. But he would never allow her to kind of rise up to the point where she could betray him. And it was interesting in the fifth episode where he becomes Skella God and she basically goes right back into uh, the position that she said that she hated. Uh, she kind of joins by his side and and it's one of those things where she's kind of in an abusive relationship with like a really jerky dude. Mm. Or she's just power well, hungry. Or or but, that. But that's because she is in a relationship <laughs> with a really jerky dude. Yeah. Skeletor is the the master of the jerkiness. Yeah, but that he, goes back to the original cartoon. So like I didn't see that yeah. as a messaging. I just saw that as a development of what came before and some insight into a character that we've never I, gotten before. I, I don't need to hear evil Lynn crying about how the man kept her down in a kid's cartoon. But this okay. is a kid's cartoon. It, it, it's still a cartoon. It is a cartoon. But um, like, like I said, the, this series is kind of weird in the sense that it's more adult than the original cartoon, but it's mm-hmm. not completely adult. Like the writing felt very kind of a callback to the, the cheesy eighties writing that we got in mm-hmm. the original series, which is something that I could appreciate because it felt it made it feel like the original cartoon, but some of the themes that they were dealing with were a lot more mature. And so it was one of those things where like, I felt like they were trying to make it so that kids could watch it and still enjoy it, but adults could watch it and, and get something out of it as well. Um, so it's kind of like, it, it's, it's a weird amalgamation that they're walking this like tightrope between like the kid stuff and the adult stuff. I feel like that's the thing when you try to like please a bigger audience, you end up not pleasing any anyone you know like when you're trying to like make sure everyone is happy with the finished product like nobody's happy with it but getting back to the messaging aspect of this like i felt like at the end of the first episode you know tila throws her little hissy fit and she feels like everyone she cared about lied to her and so she Mm -hmm. um quits her job as the new man at arms (laughs) for the, the king and queen and storms off she hates magic now um she cuts her hair and she's basically a mercenary. Uh, She's kind of like a gun for hire uh, at this point. And I can understand why they did it because within the hero's journey, that's the refusal for action. That's where the, um, the, they refuse the call. The hero refuses the call and they kind of go off and they do their own thing. And then they, they come back around and they pass the point of no return where they're on their quest. And, and so like from a storytelling perspective, I understand why they did it, but I don't agree with the way they went about doing it because it did make Tila come off as kind of like petulant and, and uh, selfish. And like, I felt like if King Raynor had been the one throwing the, the hissy fit, once he found out that Adam was actually He-Man and he was lied to by his inner circle, if she had quit in solidarity with him kind of exiling her adopted father and all the people that, you know, knew He-Man's secret, then I could see it kind of going forward. But I understand why they did it the way they did. I just didn't agree with the way they went about yeah, doing it. I feel it. like they wrote her really whiny. Yeah. I felt like they should have picked a lane and stuck to it one way or the other. All right. So the first episode is called The Power of Grey Skull. And this episode was kind of the introduction to the story. And it really did feel like a continuation of the original cartoon series. And I felt like it was a lot of fun to kind of see all the characters as they were from the cartoon series before um, we got to see them being changed. So uh, Vader, what did you think of the very first episode? Um, I don't know, man. I, I, it was just a, 
a fun little setup for the rest of the show, I guess. We got introduced to the characters and they killed Adam and we moved on. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to say anything more than that about the every show in the series. You, you know, I'm just, it's just uh, kind of, kind of meh about the whole thing. All right, um, Jude, what did you think of the first episode? I was still on board at that point. And um, I think I didn't find, I didn't realize who was voicing everyone until like the the end of that episode. And then once I found that out, I was like, oh, cool. It's going to make me enjoy the show so much more. But it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so other than the last couple minutes of this episode, I really liked what I was seeing. Like we got to see all the old school He-Man character characters come back. Uh, Skeletor's evil plot actually worked. We had a very heroic sacrifice from He-Man where basically he sacrificed his own life for all of creation. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, talk about uh, having the stakes as high as they were, but uh, it, the ending kind of cheapened it where Tila basically just came off as like yeah. kind of like a whiny brat mm-hmm. um, who um, couldn't appreciate the sacrifice that He-Man made. And this will come back later on in the series. So the second episode is called The Poison Chalice. And this is kind of picking up with the new Tila. She's got the new haircut. She's got a new partner. And she's working as a mercenary, accepting jobs from different people. And we get to see her kind of like fight Stinkor uh, in, in this one, which kind of tickled me because uh, that character has always been funny. Voiced by Jason Mewes um, from uh, Kevin Smith's uh, oh, yeah. Silent Bob His stuff. ilk. Yeah, his uh, his, his, I think he has all his friends in this thing, right? Pretty much. He's even got his daughter. Yeah, his daughter. Um, so basically, in this episode, we get to go into Snake Mountain, and we get to see Tila take on Triclops and a bunch of Skeletor's old crew. And basically, now that Skeletor's gone, it's left this power vacuum, which Triclops has kind of risen up to fill. And it's one of those things where basically instead of magic, because magic's been dying off in Eternia since uh, the destruction of the Sword of Power, um, technology is the the new god. And that's the thing that <laughs> Triclops is um, kind of worshiping. And he's turning new followers into like these weird like cyborg hybrid things, kind of like what he is. It's and, like the uh, Borg. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of an interesting thing. And, and we get to see... Um, a flashback of Tila and He-Man kind of like storming Snake Mountain at some point. And like I said before, like all these episodes, He-Man is in them. He, he's present, whether it be in a flashback or, you know, as like a ghost or something like that. But um, it's kind of interesting to see like her new experiences juxtaposed with her previous experiences. So, uh, but in this episode, we get like the the new Tila. So what did you guys think of the new Tila? Um, so... <laughs> I don't know if this kind of harkens back to the original uh, cartoon. You'll have to let me know, Kadish. But um, just to to talk about Tila herself, like the whole reveal where she takes the hood off and she's got the freaking haircut and it falls down. It's supposed to be like this big epic moment about how she's coming to her own and she's her new own badass. I just I thought that was super cringy. Um, in fact, I think her character design was much better when she stormed out of the castle in the first episode and she just took her tiara off and her hair fell down. I was like, mm-hmm. that, she looked like a badass. Yeah. Like, And then the next episode, we get this reveal where she's got half her, sh- her head shaved. And I'm like, oh, it's 2021. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> like it just took me out. It took me out of the show. It didn't make any sense in context of where this universe is taking place. I'm like, is that really a hairstyle that people roll with in that universe? Cause that's very like Antifa freaking, you know, 2021. And it, it took me out of it. And the other thing, it wasn't that kind of made, um, made me kind of cringe. And I, again, if this is something that kind of harkens back to the original TV show, then so be it. I, I can't criticize it for that. But when, um, What's the the robot the Triclops is that what his name is? Yeah, Triclops okay. is like the one of the bad guys. He's got like the three different eyes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So when he was doing his like uh freaking Temple of Doom thing on his little platform and he was like drink of the motherboard and I'm like <laughs> oh motherboard because it's a computer. Okay, I get like that kind of stuff to me is hyper corny and it kind of made me laugh, but if that's something that like the original show is like is is that more or less what they went with? That, that's one hundred percent the original show. Okay, like, the okay. original show is very corny. Okay, very I corny. thought so. Yeah, I, I thought so. So I can't criticize it for that. But as a newcomer coming into this TV show, I was just kind of like roll my eyes. I'm like, wow, that is some corny ass freaking dialogue. <laughs> but that that's it for. I mean, as far as Teal's design, it really it just took me out of it. It 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 removed me out of this universe and it put me in on Twitter, you know, with a bunch of harpies yelling at me. <laughs> Vader. Um, I don't have anything to add. Really, it kind of took me out of it as well. Um, the only thing they they needed to add to Tila was maybe some purple highlights to her to her hair, <laughs> and they would have had the uh, whole thing set up. Um, tell us about her her friend. Where where is she from? Andra. Andra. Yeah. Yeah. So she was a very minor character in the original series. Um, they race swapped her for this one. She was originally white. Um, but she, I mean, like she was so insignificant in the original show. It, I don't really think it, it mattered all that much. I know that there was some controversy that, um, they were implying that Tila and Andra were like, you know, in a lesbian relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kevin Smith has flat out said like, no, they're just, they're friends. Um, they're not in a romantic relationship. They're just, you know, like two women who are friends. So, um, you know, he's come out and basically just said that outright. But then again, a lot of people don't believe, you know, Kevin Smith. (laughs) Um, But uh, Jude, what did you think of Tila's kind of masculinization in this episode? Well, I definitely noticed that she, I mean, obviously she had a new haircut. And I I definitely noticed, like, I was like, is she buffer? Um, It didn't really bother me because I was like, well, we've all, we've all gotten haircuts. And I had a mohawk one time too. I was trying something. Uh, I think what bothers me the most is when uh, I hear, and no offense, you guys, but when I hear dudes nitpicking a woman's haircut and trying to like turn it into something that it may or may not be, but just like, I just feel like there's just so much talk about a woman's haircut. And that's what's making me cringe, not the fact that she had a haircut. Hmm. That's a fair, that's because you're a girl. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair point though i mean if that if that kind of stuff doesn't bother you and you hear people complain about it you know it's gonna be like oh god here we go again i get it um i, I understand jude's perspective on this it's just for me again coming into this with a clean slate not knowing who these characters are it just it felt so modern like in our time and our age and addressing you know this stuff there was no subtlety to it and it just it just kind of like okay so this isn't I, it didn't allow me to kind of become 
invested in this world because I, I kept getting beat over the head with 2021 stuff. So, yeah, but then uh, again, like Eternia is like a weird mishmash of different time periods. Like it, it's high fantasy, but at the same mm. time it's science fiction. So there, there's no kind of specific time period it has to be kind of tethered to. Um, but getting to the third episode, which is called The Most Dangerous Man in Eternia, uh, basically uh, we get to see um, Man-at-Arms come back. And man, is he a badass. I don't think I've ever seen him more badass uh, in the original series, because like he just like he, I mean he looks like a, a Ronin, like a masterless samurai, and and uh, he's just like kicking butt left and right, and it's kind of interesting to see his his reunion with uh, his adopted daughter and him trying to like keep Orko alive, um, and this is basically the episode where um, Evelyn and um, Tila kind of like team up, and she, Evelyn becomes part of this kind of questing crew. Uh, but the most dangerous man in Eternia turns out to be Merman, or at least like, I believe that's kind of what they were hinting at. And of course, uh, you know, it's voiced by Batman himself, um, <laughs> which uh, was, was kind of funny. Um, um, so shout out to Kevin Conroy for that one. Mm. Uh, but it was cool seeing like Merman come out because I had the Merman toy growing up. Of course and, you did. Uh, yeah. I, I of course did. you did. <laughs> Didn't you have all the toys? I, I, I had most of them. I, I had a, a big collection. Man um, at Arms gives me like um, Gimli vibes. Maybe uh, probably more Legolas because like he is um, a real badass. But um, you, you like that man? <gasps> are you that saying that Gimli is not a badass? No, it's just that he he's not, he's not the one who's like doing somersaults in the air and like shooting three guys at once and stuff like that. Yeah, I said what I said. Yeah, um, but uh, so a, a big portion of this episode had to do with them facing off with Merman, and um, there was kind of like a an interesting moment at the end there where I get the sense that he's going to come back and help them fight against Skeletor because he was betrayed by Skeletor at some point. Um, it was a good setup for, I think, a payoff that's going to come in the back five episodes. But what did you guys think of Merman, uh, Jude? Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I don't have the love of this uh, show that you do, and I'm not invested in it. And when I saw Merman, I went, <laughs> a merman. And that was <laughs> the extent of what I thought. Yeah. All right, Alex. Uh, um, I will say that I, I do agree with you that uh, was it Ma Master at Arms, Man at Arms, Man at his name again? Man at Arms. Arms. He is indeed the most badass character in this show for me. Like when he shows up, every time he shows up on screen, he's kicking somebody's ass, and I loved it. Uh, his his techniques, the weapons he was using, just how casual he was taking down hundreds of people. I thought that was super awesome. Uh, he's definitely. Uh, my favorite character in this show so far uh, being again, being new to it uh, as far as Merman goes um, it's more, it's more eighties cringe for me um, and not, not in a, I'm not trying to crap on it in that way, but it just, to me, it just seems very much like it's of its time. It's the eighties. The, the like, Oh, you traitorous trout and, and stuff like that. It just <laughs> made me roll my eyes and kind of laugh. And I'm like, wow, man, the eighties were something special, huh? <laughs> <laughs> they, they certainly were. Yeah, but I, I didn't have a problem with Merman. Uh, he was fine. Uh, again, I'm kind of I'm kind of in half the camp of Jude. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, he's a he's a fish man. I, I I get it. Cool. All right. Wasn't wasn't he supposed to have a, a fishy voice? 
You know, like, <laughs> you know, how to use my power over the ocean to bring a tidal wave. I, I, I think that was, I'll get you, He Man. I, you know, <laughs> I, I think that was the way they had it in the original uh, well, cartoon yeah. show, but uh, obviously they changed it for this one well they should have kept it because <laughs> i remember merman having a, a fishy bubbly voice i would maybe and maybe it's in my head i don't know i, had, I need to go back and look but uh i would have but, loved to have heard kevin conroy try to do like a gargly fish voice because <laughs> yeah all right and at the end of this episode they actually find the entrance to the underworld and they use uh, skeletor's um, staff head to unlock it and this is a typical kind of like hero's journey thing where like they you know in uh joseph campbell's original hero with a thousand faces outline uh the hero does journey into the underworld so this is like they're literally following the the hero's yeah. journey um kind is of there any story. other way to make a movie other than having the hero's journey yeah there, there are different ways but the hero's There's journey 12 that's it I, I i feel like i'm just tired of hearing about the hero's journey <laughs> You know what I mean? I I just it's just well. That's why know. you're getting a bunch this... of villain backstory now. <laughs> so maybe, shut up. Maybe, maybe that's it. Just... <laughs> you're gonna get more Cruella movies if you we're, we're... shut up, shut it down. <laughs> yeah, but but you know the whole thing about this show is we're getting Tila's hero's journey and Tila's uh, background character, and I think that's part of the crux of the whole thing that people have issues with with this thing. Well, the thing you, with you know. It... You know the thing about the hero's journey is that it's the best way to incorporate character development with an interesting plot. And that's why the hero's journeys are always successful is because you have the most character development with the most interesting way to go about doing that. I mean, it's literally how uh, myths and legends are created in, mm-hmm. um, I get it. in our modern mythology. Um, so this, the fourth episode is called land of the dead. And this is where basically the, the, Tila's crew goes into the underworld and they have to face their fears and we're, they're kind of paired off where we get, um, Andra Roboto and, um, beast man, beast man, uh, are kind of in their own group. Then we get evil Lynn and Orko in their own thing. And then Tila's on her own, but she, she faces off with a character that, uh, I love the toy for, uh, it was called scare glow. And it was, you know, the skeleton dude um, who, uh, when you turn the lights off, you'd see his skeleton glow in the dark. Um, and it was kind of funny watching this episode because uh, Scare Glow is voiced by Tony Todd, the, the candy man. And, uh, like, he has, like, all the muscles and stuff, but when he goes into the darkness, his skeleton, like, like glows just like the toy did. I feel like I mm. remember the commercial for this toy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So um, it, it was, you know, that, that was one of my favorite toys because like, you know, you could play with him in the dark and like you'd see a skeleton and stuff like that. So I was really uh, tickled whenever he was on screen. And plus Tony Todd, perfect choice for for his voice. And he's one of those characters, I guess uh, he's the ruler of the underworld. Um, he feeds off of other people's fear. And uh, we get to see all the different characters kind of confront the thing that they're afraid of most in the underworld. And we get hints of Tila's kind of like, parentage where you know she kind of like you know she already knows what her parentage is but um the sorceress had blocked that memory from her and they kind of touched on that in this episode so overall what did you guys think of the underworld episode alec this was my favorite episode of the five um i loved 
everything about it, the the quest going underground felt very much like Lord of the Rings when they went in down into the caves and the in the dwarven tunnels and stuff and um fighting off monsters and stuff. Uh, I love that we got a lot of uh character development by pairing these characters off with one another and they kind of feed off of each other's uh, perspectives and, and personalities. I thought Evelyn and uh Gor- Gorgo, is that his name? Gorgo. Hey, Kate, you're, you're saying her name wrong, man. Evil, it's evil e- Lynn. It's evil Lynn. Uh, I, 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 I didn't say it wrong. It's, it's Alex who's saying it. I was, I was, I was making fun of him. He's, he, Eve, yeah. Eve, Evelyn is the old lady at church that makes the little triangle sandwiches. Okay. Evil Lynn. I love Evelyn. Like, yeah. I like Eva Lynn. I liked her character development in this episode. I like that she got paired off with the, the little gremlin dude. Orko. I, Orko. At first, at first, I didn't like him. When I first got introduced to him, I was like, oh my gosh, you're some corny freaking 80s cartoon character that I'm not going to like. But Everybody by the, but by this episode, I was like, dude, that guy's awesome. I freaking love him. Everybody likes Orko, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Even, yeah. even me. Oh, I'm on board now. I'm on board now. Well, it, it was funny because we got more backstory for Orko than I remember him ever getting in the original yeah. cartoon series. Yeah. And so let's talk about this because in this episode, Orko, quote unquote, dies. And mm. he sacrifices himself fighting Scareglow so that the others can escape into heaven, basically. And um, one of the interesting things is, is like a lot of people have, online have been criticizing, like, oh, they killed off Orko. Like, this is stupid. Um, but uh, it was interesting. I watched a live stream with Kevin Smith and uh, the guy who does the voice for Orko, um, you know, the guy from The Tick. And uh, they were talking about how there's a line that Orko says where it's like, get... Um, you know, return to your shadow where he's like, you know, mm-hmm. um, go away, demon, go back to your shadow, something like that. Go back to your shadow! And it was a direct kind of lift from Gandalf when he's fighting Balrog where he's like, return to your shadow beast or something like that. You shall not pass. Yeah. And, yeah. and so basically they were implying that Orko's um, kind of development is that, you know, he's always been this wizard who, couldn't do magic properly. And in this final moment where he he's fighting Scareglow, um, he finally kind of taps into his power and fulfills like the destiny that his parents had always wanted for him as the Oracle. And, uh, you know, he sacrifices himself in order to save these people. But because of the parallels that they're drawing with Gandalf, the wizard, my guess is they're planning to bring him back in the next five episodes at a certain point as like a new more powerful version of Orko. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be Orko the White. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to destroy Kevin Smith for just lifting every single trope that <laughs> he, he can out of all these shows. You, you know, um, he could have at least, you know, lifted something interesting off of these for these shows. You know, and you know, challenged death to a game of checkers or something or whatever. <laughs> like in, they did in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, right? I mean, I feel like I've seen this stuff a million other TV shows and movies. It's like, Oh, people are going to go to hell or whatever. And they're going to challenge the big bad guy. And you know, then they're going to redeem themselves and get out and carry on with their little quest. You know, it's just, nah, dude, this, this, there's nothing original. <laughs> there's nothing original going on here. Okay. And scare glow. Is that what you said? His name was Yeah, scare. Scare. Glow. Sounds like, it sounds like he's a, a DJ for, a, for a, uh, <laughs> a, a, uh, Hair brand company, you know. Well, well you can blame it's Mattel just, for that. They're the ones. It's, who made it's horrible. <laughs> that's eighties cringe, bro. That's it's, what this show's all about. It's horrible. Ah, I don't know. I find it's it scare glow with with stuff that here. with stuff that's from the eighties, and they move it to the like 
I can't blame the show for that. They're just working with what they got. These are the characters' names, so you you lean into it and you own it. So I didn't mind that. Well, I thought that was kind of. I'll tell you this. I want to know. I want to know if Kevin Smith has anything original in his head that okay. doesn't involve that doesn't involve being you know at a at a mini market at two o'clock in the morning. So. I'll, I'll I'll tell you this. the The way they utilized Scareglow was better than I think I've ever seen him utilized before. Like it was a really interesting kind of take on the character he was oh it was cool like when he was fighting orko and he's like pushing his way past the rings and he gets right up into his face and orko does the freaking full power thing i was like i was in man that, like i said this is my favorite episode i think it's it's the best one out of the five in my opinion it was the one that i was most invested in we got the most backstory for the characters we got to see some cool fights uh the only thing i will say when i first saw it happen is when tila goes off and of course she's on her own she's like everybody else is paired up but Tila gets to go off on her own. At first, that kind of made me cringe. I'm like, oh, of course, she's going to go off and she's going to do her own thing because she's the freaking big, strong lady. But then I was like, it's if this is what they're going for, this is her story. Typically, in a hero's journey, the hero will be separated from the group and tested on his own, on his own merit. So it was her, I, it was her Haven Dagobah moment. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, yeah. I didn't mind it. Like at first I was kind of irritated, but I didn't mind it after I, I kind of like let it mull over a little bit. Go ahead, Kage. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more hero's journey stuff with, with her um, kind of character development. And, you know, there's a scene in there where basically she faces off with He-Man and this is the mm-hmm. first time I think she's ever actually fought He-Man, even though it's not really He-Man. Um, but it's kind of like her facing her demons. It's the equivalent of Luke Skywalker fighting Darth Vader and then seeing his face and in, in Vader's helmet and stuff like that. Um, but the, uh, the, the Orko thing, I, I kind of disagree with Vader in the sense that, um, you, you know, a lot of the, a lot of these tropes, they're tropes for a reason and that's because they work. Um, so I, I don't see this as being unoriginal. I just see this as following a formula and doing it with characters that are unique and interesting and that I grew up with. Like I said, in this episode, we got more backstory from poor or- Orko than I think we'd ever gotten in all the entire run of the original show. So it was cool to see him finally kind of like break out of his, you know, I can't do magic mold and become like a powerful sorcerer at the very end when his friends needed him the most. Because the thing about Orko has always been that he's like the the dunce. He, he's the guy who messes stuff up and his friends have to pick up the slack. And it was nice to see his journey to actually helping his friends as opposed to being a burden on them, which was always kind of like the thing that, you know, kind of... um weighed on him the most i think uh jude what did you think of of this episode uh i feel like we are giving a um a a very pick apart review of a fucking cartoon that i don't give a shit about (laughs) (laughs) i Um, completely agree Underworld, okay, cool, but it's still a cartoon. I just don't think that I should be allowed to talk about it because I don't give a shit. I hate animation. I don't want to watch the rest of it, and I don't care. (laughs) If this had been live action, I would have been like, oh, my God, the fucking Underworld. It's not, though, and I hate it, and I hate that you make me watch it, and I I hate that you make me talk about it. I'm 100% with Jude on this one. T-Man is not a hill that I am willing to die on at all. First, 100%. I I kind of feel bad for Kadis now. (laughs) He's like, this is my childhood. You're all like, I don't fucking care. (laughs) T-Man was dumb. (laughs) 
You know, He-Man was dumb. I'm not going to argue that. But I do think that uh, I don't give. I don't care about the names of villains. I feel like everyone has a stupid name. They were Evelyn. Yeah, Evelyn. I love Merman. Like the fucking penguin. Is that a badass name? No, but you buy it. Scareglow. Who gives a shit? He's bad. Okay. Is Batman a great name? No, but he's a great character. Well, well, so who cares? Whoa. whoa, you need to slow your roll a little bit. <laughs> making fun of Batman. How Come dare on. I? How dare you? I, I, I think it's important to point out that, um, you know, He-Man, the Masters of the Universe, the cartoon, it was basically like a half hour commercial to sell toys. Yep. Yeah, that guy's name is He-Man. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> yeah, See, that's, that's, that's kind of the thing with all the 80s cartoons, though, right, Matt? They were all half hour commercials. Yeah. G.I. Yeah. Joe, Transformers, yeah, so. He-Man, She-Ra. Mm-hmm. I um, was a rainbow even, bright girl. Yeah, Care Bears, mm-hmm. all of them. They were Here, go buy our toys. This is what they look like. Yeah. And we're going to put the least amount of effort possible into making these things so we can put them out every week. And, I yeah, had it was, all them they were My bad. Little Ponies. Yeah, yeah so it, it's kind of weird to um, get into these kind of pedantic arguments about, you, you know, the, you know, Kevin Smith doesn't have originality and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm where uh, you know they're actually bringing some some sophistication to the story whereas originally like this these were just meant to be like things to sell toys to kids so it, it's hard to kind of like like vader said like die on this hill in the sense <laughs> that like like there there really isn't any real true value to arguing about he-man no. because it never had any real integrity to begin with right um, yeah so a lot of these criticisms directed at the show are just kind of like i mean it was a commercial so who cares um, but at the same time, those of us who grew up with them and have like a special place in our hearts for this property, it's kind of like, well, we want it to be done right and handled with care. I just so. want it to be it's, done. It's not, it's not <laughs> like this is uh, Scooby Doo or something cool, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, let's let's go to heaven. Let's go to heaven right, next. So, the oh. final episode in in the first half of the season is called "The Forge at the Forest of Forever." It's episode five, and basically, Tila's group makes it into heaven, and they're reunited with Prince Adam. Who is there with all the former champions of Eternia. And basically they are there to reforge the sword of power and uh, return magic to uh, Eternia. And in this episode, we basically, we get to meet King Grayskull, who was the first champion of Eternia, uh, who's voiced by Dennis Haysbert. And there was some controversy here because he was race swapped, changed from a white guy to a black guy. And in, in the lore, I guess, like they don't really touch on this in, in this episode, but in the lore, uh, King Grayskull is the um, first king of Eternia. And so Adam can trace his lineage directly back to him. So it's kind of like, well, if he's black and Adam's like as white <laughs> as they come, how does that work? Um, but uh, it, it's it's also funny because Adam's mom is a, an astronaut from the planet Earth. So, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> like she crash landed on Eternia and married the king and had Sounds Adam. Good. And, yeah. So, I mean, if you really want to get into the weeds on this stuff, it's kind of like nothing makes sense. <laughs> um, but um, I thought one of the more interesting aspects of this episode was that Roboto, who is the robotic version of Man at Arms, uh, he forges, he reforges the sword of power. He he convert, he combines the the two different aspects of the sword, and he sacrifices his life in the um, in in doing that. And I'd never really cared about Roboto all that much. Like he was kind of like a just a throwaway character. But this episode when he's dying, like I was, I was kind of getting choked up at it. Like I I felt like th- this is the the first character to actually truly die on the show. 
And um, it was a very poignant death, I thought, because like, you know, he's talking about how like, I'm actually scared. And, you know, that means that I'm not a robot because I feel this fear. And he was actually happy that he felt the fear of death um, kind of coming upon him. And it was kind of like mm -hmm. a weird poignant moment in a, in a kid's cartoon. Uh, what did you guys think of that? Um, I agree with you. I think the Roboto thing was cool. I like that he was the one who was able to forge the sword back together and he used his, you know, arc technology power system to do it with. Um, they used the temple as like some kind of a conduit. Uh, they turned the entire place into a forge. That that aspect of this episode was really good. But as a whole, this is my least favorite episode um, of the whole season. It, it It drove me up a wall when... I don't know if you want to get into it yet. Did you have anything else you want to talk about Roboto about? Um, not Roboto, but uh, there was a scene between Adam and Tila that I wanted to touch on. Okay. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to talk about. So for me, coming in fresh, again, I'm going to say that a million times. Um, when Tila shows up and she sees Adam, and it's Adam, it's not He-Man. So he's in Valhalla, basically. He's in heaven. He's in the warrior's heaven. And all the other dudes are their champion versions of themselves because you're in heaven and you're the champion and you died as a champion. And you, you can choose your, your form. Yeah, you can choose your form. And he's like, he's the only one who chose his lesser form. And I just, I was like, come on, bro. Why you got to make He-Man freaking little boy version in heaven, yeah, right. in Valhalla? And then not only that, but like when they're doing the whole hunt and they're chasing down the, the saber tooth tiger thing or something, um, I do... There's a Triceratops in this episode, so extra points for that. Uh, <laughs> when they're chasing him down, and Tila is the one who's like doing flips on these little surfboard oh, things yeah. that they have. And then He-Man is just a bumbling idiot, falls a couple of times, ends up in the mud. And everybody's like, oh, ha, 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 what a loser. Ha, ha. And I'm like, come on, man. How like do you really have to beat the character down? He's in heaven, and you're treating him like shit, and you're making fun of him in like in a meta version, not the characters themselves in the show did make fun of him a little bit, but it was more of like a friendly banter, but just the show itself as like from the outside looking in, I was like, why are we, why are we degrading this character to be like the lesser version and the goofy version? And the, the conversation that he had with Tila about why he lied. And, and he's like, I died. And he's like, yeah. And I had to live with it. It was just like, Oh yeah. my God, dude, it was so cringy. And uh, she was just such a spoiled little brat in this episode. I had no good feelings towards Tila by this, by this point. I was like, whatever. I don't like her. She's annoying. <laughs> I'm going to have to disagree with you on this, Alex, um, because the whole thing about Prince Adam is that Prince Adam was the one who had the the kind of like moral center and the character, the strength of character. He's basically like Steve Rogers in Captain America, where, you know, he was chosen to be Eternia's champion because of the strength of his character and the content of his character. Mm -hmm. And so him choosing his, uh, according to the other champions, lesser self uh, to be in heaven, he was just choosing to be who he truly was, which was Prince Adam. He was never truly He-Man. He-Man was the form that he would take when he needed the, the physical strength to, to fight uh, the battles. But um, the thing that always made He-Man special was the fact that he had this strong moral center as Prince Adam. And if you look at the, um, the original cartoon, Prince Adam, you know, because he was quote unquote weaker and, um, you know, they, they toned him down because in the original cartoon, he looked like He-Man, but in like purple spandex. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but in the cartoon, they actually made him like look frail and, and, and little. 
uh, which I could appreciate. And mm -hmm. um, in the original cartoon, you know, people were always kind of making fun of him and underestimating him and stuff like that because he kind of played up the fact that he was a klutz, that he was scared, that he wasn't strong, you know, and stuff like that. He needed protectors. Um, so the way I looked at how he was being treated by his, by the other champions, his, his predecessors, it was more that, you know, they were kind of like just being good natured, you know, kind of ribbing him, but they were basically treating him like he'd always been treated by those around him. So I didn't look at it like they were like, you know, kind of denigrating He-Man. They were just treating Prince Adam as he'd always been treated. And Prince Adam chose that lesser form because that's who he truly was. Like he wasn't like the big muscular He-Man. That was just something that he temporarily transformed into when he needed to, but he was always Prince Adam. So to me, that criticism um, is a little bit hollow because like, I don't feel it's representative of who, what the character was. The thing I will agree with you on though, is when he had that conversation with Tila and she was like, you know, um, kind of complaining that he died and, and stuff like that. It did feel more like that last kind of five minutes of the first episode where she was making it all about her. And it would have been more interesting if, you know, um, they had kind of reconciled a little bit where she was like, I was in love with He-Man. turns out He-Man was you and I feel like betrayed and I'm all confused and stuff like that. Um, but getting back to this episode, the end of it is the big thing where basically Adam uh, gives up his reward in the afterlife to go back with Tila in order to return magic to um, the universe. And when they get back into Castle Grayskull, um, He-Man calls down the, the power of Grayskull with the, the Sword of Power. And right before he's able to transform, Skeletor shows up out of nowhere and freaking runs him through with a spear. And it's meant to be like this, oh God, holy cow moment. And uh, it looks like Adam's dead and Skeletor kind of reclaims the power of, or the, the sword of power and becomes Skele God because he claims the power of Grayskull for himself. And we're left on this big cliffhanger where basically it looks like Skeletor has won. And Adam's dead, He-Man's dead, and Tila and her little crew have been betrayed by Evil Lynn, and uh, things don't look good for our heroes. And this is the classic kind of like midpoint reversal in a, a good structured story where at the midpoint of every story, and this is episode five out of a 10 episode season, uh, the bad guys do something that really hurt the good guys and put them on their back foot. And so going forward, the good guys have much more, many more obstacles to overcome in order to you know, um, win, yeah. win the day, basically. I'll, I'll say uh, at this point in time where they get back to Castle Grayskull, there's one moment that I literally laughed out loud and not in a good way. Um, so we get this whole story about how He-Man's going to give up his place in heaven to come back to Earth so that he can become the protector again. He can be the champion and bring magic back to a third. Like, it's a big hero thing. Like, I'm going to do what I need to do, sacrifice myself again and do what needs to be done to help other people. I thought it was a great hero motivation for him. I'm like, okay, cool. So he does this. They get into the real world. And, uh, you know, they got the crew and everybody's there. And everybody's like, okay, cool. We did it. We got He-Man back. We got the sword back. We're going to fix things. And the sorceress looks at uh, the whole group and says, you did well. The camera's focused right on on Prince Adam. And, and the sorcerer says, you did well. And then it pauses. And he goes, Tila. And the camera shifts to Tila. And it's like, Oh my God, dude. Like I laughed so hard. I don't, it was just like, how much more can you make it about Tila and like just totally shit on He-Man the whole time? Yeah. Like that was all I saw. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I mean, I'm sure you're going to argue with me about that. But like when I saw that, I was just like, oh my God, it was so blatant. Like 
we don't care about he-man sacrifice we're talking about tila and i was just like oh my god here we go again it was it was cringy i thought it was really poorly done uh, and it was like over the top blunt about it that that's just how i felt at the time i'd like to hear your argument if you have one kadish because i am curious what you think about that well i mean tila um brought back the sword of power and grayskull's champion all at the same time so she did do yeah, a good job <laughs> why why the why the camera shift why the obvious like dig at he-man on that like good I, job pause camera shift tila I, I don't, like why why subvert our expectations like that yeah I, I don't know if if it was a dig at he-man so much as it was just like a kind of misdirection for like a little, little throwaway joke uh to me the the bigger issue is that skeletor's evil plan for once actually worked <laughs> and, and it, it, it appears that he won um and the interesting thing about he-man is that you know in, in the series growing up every episode was self-contained so by the time the next episode came around everything from the previous episode was just didn't matter mm -hmm. uh in this show episode to episode things matter and things carry over and i know kevin smith has come out publicly and said that in episodes six and seven you get two very big brutal um, fights between he-man and skeletor so i don't think prince adam's dead um i think that there's a lot more to come and i'll be interested to see how they kind of take this show like what direction they take the show in because i'm hoping that the final five will be much more he-man centric than tila centric i'm hoping that these five episodes kind of got tila's journey out of the way so that we can now focus on he-man and, and the relationship between tila and he-man going forward is they need each other in order to defeat skeletor i could no, see that no, we, we can hope so we can hope I, so. yeah I, I agree i i hope for that <laughs> same thing and i'd be curious I'm very skeptical skeptical to see if they will actually reverse the uh, focus of the show and kind of like redeem He-Man and make him the hero that we've been expecting him to be, I guess, when I kind of like first started watching the show. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in that, though, honestly. Uh, with what we've seen, in my opinion, with what we've seen, although on paper the story makes sense and it follows the hero's journey, the the messaging to me points us in a direction that I think the next five episodes are probably going to be more of the same. We might get a little bit more He-Man, but I think it's going to be Tila from start to finish. I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I'd be happy to see He-Man take over and be the champion again and Tila be the Sorcerer Supreme and, you know, the protector of Grayskull. Like, I, I'm down if everybody get, has a happy ending. That's great. But I, I at this point, I don't know if I, I can trust I, it. I, I don't trust it either. Um, I'm with you, Alex. I, I don't really see great things coming out of this show. Maybe. Maybe, I don't know. But like we said earlier, it doesn't have He-Man in the title. It's the Masters of the Universe, right? Mm. Which, you know, should tell you something. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to the sequel, Evelyn in the in the search for the perfect ham sandwich. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Well, I I'll, I'll say this. So um the Masters of the Universe movie from 1987, I believe, um was so bad. And so insulting <laughs> to uh, the cartoon series. Like mm -hmm. I can remember seeing that in the theater for my ninth birthday and just being like, this isn't He-Man. This is awful. <laughs> so yeah. like that to me was a far greater um, kind of like uh, no snub at the franchise as a whole than, than this was. Um, well, what, can we watch it someday on like our, our, our most hated movies ever episode or something? Right I'd, I'd actually like to get <laughs> Arthur Borman. Back I was just going to say, yeah, because he was a production assistant um, on that show and he had a lot of great kind of inside baseball stories to tell us about 
the making of that movie uh, when we had him on, uh, when we interviewed yeah. him. Great uh, minds. Yeah. Great minds, Kish. But, but I want to kind of go around the table and get some final thoughts on this and predictions for the final five <laughs> episodes. And again, it's hard to judge a show just based off of half because this is basically like half yeah. of a movie that we've just watched. And it, it's hard to give it a fair judgment just based off of like getting to the midway point. I really think Netflix messed up by not releasing all the episodes at once. So Jude, my dear, uh, <laughs> what are your final thoughts on Masters of the Universe Revelation? And what do you think is going to happen going forward? I don't give a shit. And um, <laughs> I'm, I, I think if you're going to make me watch it, and I know you're going to make me watch it, I will be hate watching it because I hate animated shows. And also, I don't care. Um, so we love you, Jude. Thanks. Poor kids. <laughs> All right, Alex. <laughs> okay, for me, um, I will say again, as somebody who's not a fan of this franchise, going in blank slate. Um, if I was going off, of, if I wasn't doing the podcast, if I was just going off of this, like, oh, I watched the first five episodes, I would not be interested in watching the second half. There, there's nothing that really sucked me into the universe that would make me be like, oh, I have to see what happens next. I'd be like, eh, whatever. It's not made for me. Um, yeah. I am very happy that the person who this is made for, Mr. Kadish over there, likes the show. That thrills me. I know you're kind of alone in that <laughs> as far as our circle of influence goes, but I appreciate that you do like it and that you're arguing for its cause and that you're hopeful for the next five episodes. That makes me happy. Um, my prediction for the next five is it's going to be more Tila-centric. I think He-Man is definitely going to be a side character if they do bring him back to life again, or if he heals up and becomes the champion again, I think that's going to be like a B plot. And the A plot is going to be Tila becoming the uh, guardian of Skull, And it's going to be about her reversal from being anti-magic and hating all things magic to becoming who she was meant to be. And she becomes the most powerful magic user in the universe. Like, I, I think that's where the show is going to go 100%. Yes. I just learned that Dolph Lundgren played He-Man in the Masters mm -hmm. of the Universe movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm more yeah. interested in that than the rest <laughs> of this show. And Frank Langella played Skeletor. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can't wait to talk. We do need to get Arthur Borman back on the pod, and we need to talk about that uh, that movie. Yeah. All right, Vader, what are your final thoughts and what do you what are your predictions for the final five episodes? Um, my final thoughts. I'm kind of in there with Jude right now. It's like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's just like a um I'm I'm really hoping and 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 rooting for Beast Man. I hope he gets his uh <laughs> I, I hope he gets it to get hooked up with uh, Evelyn, and they, make some, Evelyn. And, they make, and they make some puppies down the road. That would be really cool. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's all I want to see. I want to see some uh, Evelyn Beastman pups. <laughs> you want to see some uh, some furry porn? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Poor Beastman. I felt sorry for Beastman. He just you should. Has, he just has one thing. He just wants to, he just wants Evelyn's love. That's all he wants. And he's and, constantly friend zone. Yeah, he's just yeah, I get it. I understand his pain. <laughs> you know, all all of these all of these bad guys out there, they're just, you know, they're just poor little you know, dudes who yeah. just want to be good. Poor Evelyn, her choice is either like a beast man or a, a guy with a skull for a face. Well, you know, she could go oh, merman and they could have some little tough in the underworld. <laughs> what well, that's speaking of, what was they with could... that line where, where Skeletor was like, Look at this face, my dear. This has given me a life of loneliness. I'm <laughs> like, 
what you're a freaking super villain dude i know right <laughs> it was so cringy I, I i think uh that line in particular it wasn't so much it was like i could never get a woman to love me it was more like people feared me so i became what they um expected of me type thing mm-hmm. yeah plastic surgery really wasn't on the up and up when <laughs> this was made well, also, like, you know, Vader mentioned it earlier that uh, Mark Hamill, he's just doing the Joker for, I mean, his, his evil voice is the same for every character. Yeah. It's, it's the Joker voice. Yeah. Uh, it was the same in um, the the reboot of the Dark Crystal and stuff like that. So um, it is kind of funny, like, watching Skeletor with Joker's voice coming out of it. Um, but it's, it's not, I, I, I find it off-putting. It's weird. I, I, I didn't like it at all. I, I very much know it's Mark Hamill. Like when yeah. you look, when you go for voice actors, like when we talked about Invincible, um, we very much know that J.K. Simmons is Omni-Man. Like there's certain characters. Yeah, but, but they made Omni-Man to look exactly like J.K. Simmons. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it fits. It's, so. it's just funny to me when voice actors, like super famous A-list actors go into voice acting and you're like, it's you can you know it's them you know there's no there's no acting involved it's just them Mm -hmm. reading lines yeah i'll say this though liam cunningham as man at arms nailed it right like yeah yeah he was he was the best of the show as far as the voice actors i think i actually think uh the guy they got to play orco i was was really good yeah Yeah. i i I didn't hate orco yeah well it's kind of funny because orco uh in in the cartoon he was always someone that everyone who watched the cartoon was annoyed with um, and they actually made you like Orko in, in this show. And this, again, I, I kind of point to that as that was that. Coven Smith's plan all along. <laughs> well, I, I think I think it was. I point to it as like a, an example of like how good the writing is on this show is because like you come to care for these characters that in previous incarnations you just didn't give a crap about. Um, so like as I was watching it, I came to care more about Evil Lynn. I came to care more about Orko and um, and Man at Arms and like all these kind of like ensemble side characters that never really got fleshed out in the original series all that much but um in this Mm -hmm. series like i felt like i got to know them a lot better than i had previously so i i appreciated that so overall i i guess i am alone in this like i enjoyed this this you're dying on this hill yeah no i'm not you are dying on (laughs) it like like if like i understand everyone's criticisms and if people didn't like this like i can totally see why they didn't like it um so i'm not going to tell them that they're wrong um, for not liking it or that their criticisms are inaccurate. I am going to say that me personally, I enjoyed this show. I think that Kevin Smith has a plan. I'm impressed with what the writers were able to do. Um, and I really wish that we could have watched the entire thing so that we could give it a proper judgment. But I'm looking forward to the final five. Okay. All right, guys, that's our discussion on Masters of the Universe Revelations. Let us know what you think in the comments below. Uh, are you with Kadish? Did you enjoy this? Are you looking forward to the next five? Or are you with the uh, rest of us crazy, salty nerds who just think this is just a bunch of Hollywood woke crap? At the bottom of our <laughs> hill with forks. You will never. No. Um, like I said, like, subscribe, share with your friends, uh, comment, let us know what you thought. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, Mr. Matt Vader, where can they find you on the socials? Uh, you can find me at Matt Vader 74 on all of these social medias, mostly Twitter though, and uh, uh, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, some, and on our discord channel. Um, I'm been hanging out there a lot more lately and it's a lot of fun. We've been getting new, uh, new people there a lot and uh, yep. come join us there at salty discord.com open invitation. So, and miss Jude, where can they find you at? 
You can find me at I am Jude Juju on Instagram, on Twitter, and um, TikTok. Uh, and you can check out my webpage at thevoiceofjude.com the and check out my voiceover work. Speaking of voiceovers. <laughs> and Mr. Kadish, where can they find you at? You can find me at Matthew Kadish, K-A-D-I-S-H on Twitter and Gitter. And you can also check out my books on Amazon by going to kadishbooks.com. And I'm your host, The Salty Nerd. You guys can catch me on our Discord channel along with Matt Vader down there, saltynerddiscord.com. We'll be there, there hanging out. We do a lot of fun stuff. Uh, come join the rest of the crew. All right, everybody. You guys have a great day and stay salty, my friends. Salty.